anticipating July 4th, tomorrow, huh? And the great celebrations that will take place. But this morning, I want to focus on a a bigger celebration, uh, a reason for a bigger celebration, and that is because of the freedoms that we have in Christ Jesus. And our text this morning is John's Gospel, chapter 8, and we are going to read verses 31 through 36 together. Gospel of John, chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hallelujah. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, I'm thankful for July 4th because I'm thankful that I live in the great land of America. I know it's hard to believe that we're already in July And then July 4th hits, and it's like, wow, summer is on, and it's like in a blink of an eye, it's over. But I want us to pause as we celebrate July 4th to consider that this is America's 246th birthday. That's old, huh? Not compared to nations in Europe who've been alive and well for centuries, So we're really relatively a very young country. But we commemorate what took place on July 2nd of 1776 when right here in the city of Philadelphia, America's first Continental Congress voted to become independent of Great Britain. And that's why we call it Independence Day. And then on the 4th of July, the delegates from the 13 colonies came together to sign the Declaration of Independence to make it official. You know, some document needs to be signed to make it official. So they made it official on July 4th, and that's why on July 4th we celebrate Independence Day. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus signed our independence with his blood? And now we are forever free hallelujah but this was such an auspicious occasion for the american colonists and those who were here that john adams who became our second president he was so ecstatic over what took place that he wrote a letter to his wife who was living in virginia while he was in philadelphia dealing with governmental affairs her name was abigail and this is what he said to his wife. The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. 
I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. And there are some people who try to tell us that God has nothing to do with America. God has everything to do with America because America was founded by our forefathers who believed in God and believed in the providence of God and wanted to establish a nation that was based on Judeo-Christian principles that they knew would govern a nation in righteousness. For blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so Adams continued to say it ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward and forevermore. And sure enough, 246 years later, we're celebrating in all of those ways, and he forgot barbecues. But July 4th still is alive and well as we celebrate the birth of our country. Uh, birthdays are certainly always special, but what was so special about, and is so special about America's birthday, is the fact that they declared their independence from Britain. They declared that we're sick and tired of being sick and tired of the tyranny and the oppression that Britain is placing upon us. They came for freedom of religion, they had that, but they still were not free from the government of Great Britain because they did not govern the land, but Britain sent over its governing officials. And if you remember your American history, that they were taxed heavily so that Britain could recover from the debt that it incurred from a great war that it had just fought. But the American colonists realized that war was not a war that we engaged in. That war did not benefit us in any way, so why are we having to pay the price? So the battle cry became taxation without representation. We're not governing. We have nothing to say about what you're putting on us, and we're not going to take it anymore. So the patriots decided to do something against Great Britain, to rise up against this injustice, to realize that we're done. We left Great Britain for freedom, and now as we're living in this new land, we declare ourselves free. But freedom is never free, because the price of that freedom was the Revolutionary War. And that war was waged for eight long years as many, many patriots gave their blood so that America could become a free nation. And so we give great thanksgiving to God for this land that was birthed in freedom and for all the blessings that are ours. Especially the great constitution that governs this nation, even though there are now those in government who want to do away with that constitution. But it served us for 246 years. 
why should we change it now? And that first amendment that gives us freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble. And that's why some of us had our horns twisted as to why in the world are they telling us we have to shut our churches down. They didn't shut the bars down. They didn't shut abortion clinics down, but they said you can't worship God because you're running a risk of spreading COVID. But those of us who believe in righteousness said this just isn't right. And on so many levels, the government was being sued and those suits were won because the Constitution says and this First Amendment declares we have the freedom to assemble. And we have the freedom to petition the government for our grievances without any fear of punishment or reprisals. And so, Christian friends, let's be patriots, Christian patriots. We know we belong to another kingdom, but do we recognize today that we belong to the greatest country in the world? This country that was born upon the principles of God's word that has honored God for years and years and years. And we know the devil is working overtime to dismantle and destroy the foundations of righteousness. But let's pray, let's seek the face of God for God says in his word, if my people who are called by my name don't wait for Washington to change the laws of the land that are contrary to God, let's seek God as his people and he promises I will hear from heaven, I will heal your land. And we believe God is able to do that. But we want to continue to pray that America will always stand as a beacon of freedom and that we will always be able to live, to worship, and to work in freedom. So we value our freedoms today. And we thank God for what we have in America. Just ask the immigrants who are flooding into this. Why are they coming into this country? Because this country offers what their country does not. Oppression, poverty, but America offers freedom, prosperity, and blessing. But as we consider that this morning, I want us to rejoice in the far greater freedoms that are ours in Christ, and we want to celebrate those freedoms today. Now, when we think about those freedoms, we, we come to understand that the foundation for all of those freedoms, of all of that which we enjoy in Jesus Christ today, is the foundation of this freedom from bondage to sin. Aren't you glad this morning that we have been set free from the bondage? To, do you realize that before you came to Christ, you were bound by sin? You were enchained by sin? The scripture says that when we come to Christ, sin no longer has dominion over you, for you are no longer under the law, but under grace. This is the freedom that Jesus won for us when he went into combat with Satan, when he stripped the devil of his power, he stripped the enemy of his authority and his right to the human race. And he says, by the blood of my cross, I'm redeeming these people whom God has created, who 
been called by his name that they could come once again into the family of God and be sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is precisely the reason why Jesus came, to set us free from the bondage to sin. And it was prophesied 700 years before Jesus came to this earth by the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, Listen to these words, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Those that are in prison, you don't need to be in prison any longer. Those that are in bondage, you don't need to be in bondage any longer. Those that are enchained, those chains are broken by the power of the cross and by the power of the blood of Jesus. And he came to declare the opening of prison. To those who are bound, he has come to set us free. Was not that the message that the angel Gabriel came to Joseph concerning why he would call his name Jesus? He said, Mary, she shall bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Luke tells us it's for this purpose that Jesus came. The Son of Man came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Now when you hear the name of Jesus, you remember that it comes from the name of Joshua. Yeshua. And that name means salvation. You know what salvation means? Salvation means deliverance. Salvation means I've come to take you out of that prison. Salvation means I've come to break the chains that are holding you in bondage. Salvation means I've come to set you free. Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission. And the apostle Paul writes to the Galatians and says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Some people think that Jesus came to establish a religion. He didn't come to create an ideology. He came to rescue humanity. Humanity, you and I, hopelessly incarcerated in a prison house of sin and shame. You could come to church today and know about theology and know about Jesus, but if you don't know that he is the bondage breaker, if you don't know today that you have freedom in Christ, if sin is just still holding you enchained and you can't break those bad habits, you can't live a life that is righteous before God, then you don't understand what freedom is all about. It's all about deliverance. It's all about salvation, saving you out of that bondage, saving you out of that pit, saving you, delivering you out of the miry clay so that you could live in harmony and in peace and in joy with God your Father and Jesus Christ your Savior. You know, we're living in a time and an age where so many misconstrue what this freedom is all about. The world likes to flaunt their idea of what freedom is. 
You know, freedom outside of Christ means what they want, and that's to pursue whatever it is that I desire, however I want it, with whomever I want it, and whenever I want it, without any restrictions. Don't think you could tell me how to live my life. Because I believe that if it feels good, then I should do it. That's a lie from the pit of Satan's hell. But that's the hedonistic society in which we live today. That anything that inhibits the pursuit of one's personal pleasure is evil and it is wrong. They consider it tyranny. And isn't it, Christian friends, when you look at that, uh, the news of late, isn't it for this very reason that there's been such an outrage against the Supreme Court's decision to overrule Roe v. Wade because it interrupts their pleasure. The only reason why they want abortion is because if they have free sex and somebody gets pregnant, then that's a real big inconvenience. And I need that convenience of going through an abortion so I could get rid of whatever happened to me when I was indulging in my sinful pleasures. Even if it means murdering that baby because they've been told to lie it's just a blob of cells it's not a real living human being but science finally came to the light and declared it's not a blob of cells but the moment that conception takes place there is life and a life that God's word says I knew you in your mother's womb I formed you. I decreed every part and parcel of how you would be designed and created. And you have no right to dispose of that life. That life belongs to me. The worst tyranny that we could live under, Christian friends, is a nature that demands fulfillment of its desires. And that's why, as we've read in our text this morning, truly, Jesus says, truly, truly. You know, in Jesus, in the King James, it was verily, verily. It means you better grab a hold of this because this is the gospel truth. There's no way of renegotiating it. There's no way of whitewashing it. This is the gospel truth. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now notice the word that Jesus used there, practices sin. Because I know some of us are going to say, I'm a Christian, but sometime, you know, I just blow it. Sometime I just fall headlong into sin. I, I don't even know how it happened, but it happened. Well, by way of aside, I'll tell you how it happened. You didn't spend time with God. You didn't cultivate a walk with the Spirit because the Spirit would have immediately said, uh-uh, stop right there. Don't you take that second look. But when we get out of fellowship with God, it's easy to fall into sin. And regardless of what the sin is, whether it's gossip or lust, foul language or a mean temper outside of Christ, we are in bondage to those sins. 
And we can't break free in our own strength because sin is a tyrant. Or should I say Satan is a tyrant and sin is tyranny in our lives. And it's only as we come to Jesus because he's the only one who could fix this for us. And do you know how he fixes it? He doesn't wave a magic wand that says abracadabra. You're never going to fall into sin ever again because you've accepted me as your own personal Lord and Savior. No, what he says, I invite you to come with me to the cross and to die there. Because when you die there, then you'll be raised up to newness of life and I'll give you a new heart, I'll give you a new mind, I'll give you a new spirit and now you're going to desire to do what is right. Those things that you used to love to do, you're now going to hate. And I know that's progressive, but it happens. You wake up one day and you say, my, that used to be my pet sin. Now it repels me. It repulses me. I hate what God hates and I love what God loves. We need to come to that place in our lives that the psalmist declared, Lord, I declare and I esteem your word concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way. Are we, are we there in our lives? I hate every false way. Everything that the world says is good. Everything that the world says I should desire. Everything that the world says I should chase after. God says, that's evil. And so now we hate it. That's why we've been preaching on Sunday mornings about an upside down kingdom. If you're really going to live in the kingdom, you're going to live with a worldview that is upside down as far as the world is concerned but it's upside right as far as God is concerned. And it's a path of righteousness that's going to lead you into the abundance of life that Jesus Christ has for you. Jesus gives us freedom from those bondages as he changes us. And that change happens as we're willing to die. Paul said, I die daily. It's every day of our life we go to the cross. Jesus, crucify me here. My wants, my desires, my wills, all that I am, all that I have, crucified. I now live unto Christ. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. John Piper offers one of the best descriptions of freedom that I've ever read. You're fully free when you have the desire, the ability, and the opportunity to do what will leave you with no regrets forever. Uh, how many, how many, uh, let's be honest. How many of us, as we think about our past, we have regrets? We have remorse. If only I could do it again. But if we're really in earnest as kingdom people, we can be forever delivered as we walk in the light as he is in the light and we're fully free to have the desire and the ability to do what is right before God to please the Father always and never live with another regret again. That's what Jesus did for us when he set us free from the bondage of sin. He also set us free from Satan's domain. Colossians 1 and 13, we read, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 
Christian friend, you need to know today that Satan is a defeated, powerless foe. You're going to say, Pastor, you're, you ain't telling the truth this morning because I know the devil has power. I'm talking about in our lives. He's got a lot of power in the world. We see it evidenced all the time. Just turn on the news and you, you listen to the lies and you listen to all the corruption and you listen to all... Uh, Kathy and I have found staying away from the news is one of the best things that we've ever done because now we live in peace. We don't need to know what's going on. The last chapter has already been written. Jesus wins. <laughs> Jesus is coming again and he's going to rule in righteousness and every evil, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Those that hate God, those that are hostile to God, those that are just corrupt and polluted and evil in every which way, they're going to bend their knees and declare that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you, Christian friend, need to know that Satan is a defeated foe. And the only power that he has in your life is the power that you give him. And that's right here between your two ears. Because you've listened to the enemy and believe his lies, then he's going to have tremendous power. Because his lies are going to work in you as if they're the truth and you're going to live in that deceptive truth. It's not truth at all. It's an ungodly belief. But you believe it. So for you, it's truth. But it's a lie of Satan. And God wants you to know that Satan has no power in your life and you can be free from the power of sin and Satan. But aren't you thankful today as we consider these freedoms in Christ that it's also set us free from guilt? Because even though all of us, I think, have regrets about things that we've done, things that we've said, words that we've spoken, actions that we've engaged in, feet that took us to places we should never have gone, that the enemy would love to say, you call yourself a Christian and you did that? My Bible tells me there is therefore now no condemnation. What does no mean? No condemnation. Absolutely zero, nada, condemnation is part of our lives as believers because we are hidden with Christ in God and that is a place of refuge, that is a place of safety, that is a place of peace, that is a place of knowing our sins have been washed away, our sins are buried in God's sea of forgetfulness. And Paul continues in that chapter, Romans 8, such a glorious, glorious chapter. We need to spend a lot of time marinating in that chapter. He says, who is he that condemns you? Who's putting a guilt trip on you? If anyone has a right to do it, it's Jesus. But he didn't even do it. Instead, he died. He said, I love you so much that I'm going to pay the price for that God-awful thing that you did, for that evil thing that you committed, for those bad words that you've spoken, for that hatred and hostility and bitterness in your heart. I'm forgiving you completely and all of the guilt and the shame is washed away. Freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. And there Paul speaks again in Romans 10 and 11. Whoever believes on him will not 
be put to shame. And that not only has to do with our past sins, as we continue to walk with Jesus, you know, sometimes hard places come. And we think, oh God, what are other people going to think if this happens to me? What are other people going to think if that happens to me? Didn't he trust in God? Here I've been trusting in you. I'm believing in you. I'm, I'm claiming your word. I'm standing on your word. I'm praying. I'm doing everything that is right. And I'm so worried. God is not a man that he should lie. Those who believe on him will not be put to shame. And even though there are times when the enemy has permission to create evil and work disruption and tribulation in our life. My Bible tells me God has the authority and the power to turn it all around and what the enemy intends for evil, he will use for good and he will get honor and glory to his name. So take comfort this morning, Christian friends, and don't ever fear that you're going to be ashamed the psalmist says, those that look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be covered with shame. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who has loved us. You know what else we've been set free from? Freedom from God's wrath. You know, the Bible says that there's a wrath that is to come. A wrath such as this earth has never seen. There's going to come a day of Jacob's trouble. A day when people will wish they were never born. But my Bible tells me in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9, God did not appoint us to wrath, but he appointed us to obtain salvation. What's salvation? It's deliverance. He's going to deliver us from that wrath through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe before the worst comes upon this earth, if we are still alive, the trumpet is going to sound and we are going to be taken out of this world to be with Jesus forever and forever. That's the hope of every believer. It's the blessed hope that we will purify ourselves so that when Jesus comes, we're ready. Our ears are tuned to heaven for that trumpet sound because it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And did you know it could happen before the service is open, over? Are you ready? Should that trumpet sound, are you ready to be caught up with Jesus? Jesus is going to take his bride with him to heaven because he's delivering them from the wrath that is to come. We have freedom today to approach the throne of God. You know, if you would think for a moment that you could have an audience with the Queen of England or with the President of the United States, you would consider that probably one of the greatest privileges of your life. But how does that compare to the privilege of coming before the throne in heaven and to the one who sits upon that throne? who is from everlasting to everlasting, who had no beginning of time or shall have any end of time, for he is the Alpha and Omega. And the scripture tells us, brothers, let's have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Do you know what that meant to the Jewish reader? It was written to the Jewish Christians. 
You know, the Jewish people, more than any other people, they had access to God. They were God's chosen people. So they had the, the outer court. They had the inner court. They had the holy place. But the most holy place that was reserved one day a year and only for the high priest. But because Jesus rent the veil in two, we now have access every moment of every day to come boldly before the throne and say, Father, Abba, I'm your child. This is what I need. This is my cry. This is my desire. Glorify your name. And he hears and he answers our prayer. And as we go through life and we get older and as people in the world don't even want to say the word death, you and I have been delivered from the freedom of the fear of death. For the scripture says, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Death is made more of than what it really is. Death is made this horrible terror, this grim reaper who is coming after all of us and we keep running away. We try to stay as young as we can, as healthy as we can, because we don't want to die. But are we living in the light of the truth of God's word? Because Jesus came, he abolished death. I know our hearts are going to stop beating one day, but that doesn't mean that we've died Jesus said that though a man die, yet shall he live. For whoever lives and believes in me shall never, never die. When we as believers die, we just drop off this house coat, this tent, this tabernacle in which we've lived. And we go into the presence of the Lord and live forever and ever with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And what are we doing there? To enjoy all of the blessings that he's prepared for us for all eternity. Do you know, we've been given the freedom today, even before we get there, to relate to God as his heir. Being an heir is something really, really special especially if the person to whom you are an heir is very wealthy because you know that when they die, you've got a lot of money coming to you. But you know, Christians, we don't think about ourselves as heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus has coming to him as the son of God, the Bible says we have coming to us because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to be an heir of Elon Musk? Do you know who this man is? He's the wealthiest man in the world. He has so much money that he was willing to spend $53 billion to buy Twitter. 
Now, that's a lot of money. And he still has a lot of money left over. Now, if we were an heir of Elon Musk, we'd say when he kicks, you know, at least I'm going to be a millionaire. Because that's like, that's like pennies compared to what he has. Do you, do you get what I'm saying this morning? We take so for granted the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. And today you and I have the freedom to say, God, God, I'm your heir. All the riches in glory you've purchased for me by your blood, and they are mine. I no longer need to live like a pauper. I need to no longer live with a poverty mentality. Where's my next meal going to come from? My God shall supply all your need according to his abundant riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We don't know how rich we are. We don't know how wealthy we are. Made rich by the Son of God. We are his heirs. Hallelujah. We need to know today, we need to stop listening to the lies of the evil one. Satan would love to rob us of every blessing. And that's, that's why so many of us are living like paupers. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. What's Satan's purpose in our lives? If Satan has anything to do with us, the only thing that he wants to do with us is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his work. But Jesus came to give us life, sozo life, and life more abundantly. Are we enjoying the abundant life that Jesus died to purchase for you and for me? We don't have to walk through life like, like we're down in the, in the doldrums and we're stuck in our depression and in our despair and people look at us and say, are they, they Christians? I thought Christians were happy people. I thought Christians were victorious people. I thought Christians were conquerors. We're not a good testimony for Jesus at times because we've allowed the enemy to speak his lies into our hearts and minds. So how do we win over Satan's strategies? Jesus said, you will know the truth, not the lie. You will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If this then is the truth, why are so many Christians still in bondage? Because we don't understand what Jesus meant when he said, you will know the truth. I recently had the blessing of uh, reading a book by Dr. Rob Reamer called Soul Care. And in that book, he made this statement but we must understand that the truth alone will not set you free, but holding on to the truth in the face of the lie. Are you willing today to hold on to the truth in the face of the lie over and over and over again? And when you do, then you'll be set free. Let that sink in. That's a Sila moment that we need, to, we need to embrace and understand. How do we do that? Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then are you truly my disciples. Who are the disciples of Jesus? People who carry a big black Bible like I'm carrying this morning. People who sit on the church pew on Sunday morning. People who pay their tithes to the church. Are they truly his disciples? 
Those that are truly his disciples are those who abide in the word. Now, I want to ask myself and you a question today. How can we abide in the word if we're not spending time in the word? And we've opened the floodgates for Satan to flood our minds with all these lies because we're not grounded in the truth. We need to get grounded in the word so that we could sing that song. The word is working mightily in me. And even in the face of bad circumstances, even in the face when things don't go my way, the word is working mightily in me. And I can still hold my head up high and say I am more than conqueror through him who has loved me. I can say my God promised me he will never leave me he will never forsake me he's with me always I could say bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name he heals all my diseases he forgives all my iniquities he's a faithful God who stands true forever and forever we need to abide Abide in the word. You know that word abide it is a word from the Greek language, meno, M-E-N-O, and it means to remain, to stay, to take up permanent residence. You don't get up in the morning and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I've got to read my Bible, so let me see how quickly I could get through these three chapters. You need to take those chapters with you, not the three chapters, because that's enough probably to last you a lifetime. But maybe there's one word that the Spirit of God quickens to your heart. You need to take that one word and remain, take it, make it permanently resident in your spirit. Like a cow, you, you chew on your cud. You've read it, but now you're chewing it. You're meditating on it. You're, you're reflecting on it, and you're praying it. We need to pray the word. God, you said this to me. Oh, I declare your word over my life today. I make it mine. This is not out there for somebody else. This is for you. This is God's love letter for your life and his truth for your life. So the true disciple stays in the word and makes it his permanent resting place. A.T. Robertson, a great Bible teacher, once said, Continuance in the word is the acid test of the Christian life. Let's ask ourselves, do we pass the acid test? Are we continuing in the truth? Another one has put it this way, it's a long obedience in the same direction. I've always been so challenged by that phrase. It's a long obedience. You know, we need to run this race patiently we need to run this race with endurance we need to run this race putting one foot in front of the other saying looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of my faith you know sometimes we, we just want to sprint it's not a sprint it's a marathon it's keeping on keeping on even when you feel discouraged even when you don't feel God's presence even when the sky isn't blue and the sun isn't shining 
It's a long obedience. God, I'm going to stay true to you. God, I'm going to obey your word. God, I'm going to hide your word in my heart. God, there's a yes in my spirit to you, even though I don't feel like jumping up, dancing. And you know, it's easy to do that when we feel the presence of God in the house of God, in the midst of worship, and we say, oh, Jesus, I want to love you with all my heart. But how about on Monday morning, on a blue Monday, when we don't even feel like getting out of bed, and you need to go to work and you need to face a grumpy boss and co-workers who don't like you you say Jesus I want to follow you I want to uh, give you a long obedience in the same direction because you're going to take me home someday to be with you forever and ever holding on to the truth is holding on to Jesus he is himself the way the truth and the life, if we have him, we have all that we need. Oh, saints of God, this morning, I pray that we would lay hold of the blessing of these freedoms that are ours. But the only way we can do it is as we abide in the word. And then we shall experience what Jesus said. He whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Spirit of God, burn this truth in our hearts today. God, I pray that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that is in bondage, to sin today, that they would come to experience the freedom of the bondage breaker, the chain breaker, the one who releases from prison in the name of Jesus, that they would encounter you, that they would be willing to go to the cross, to die to themselves, that they might be raised up to walk in newness of life, and that all of us together today we would abide in the word of truth, that we would know the truth and that the truth would set us free. Seal this word. Seal this truth to our hearts today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We're going to sing this morning an old Gaither song. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I've traded my sorrows. I've traded my sorrows for a heavenly song. Praise God, I'm free. I'm free at last. Let's stand together. If you don't know the song, just listen to it. Let the words minister to your heart. And thank God for the freedom that is yours in Jesus today. Amen.